Welcome to Clued in Mystery. I'm Sarah. And I'm Brooke, and we both love mystery. Hi, Brooke. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm doing really great. How about you? Yeah, I'm great, too. I'm looking forward to today's episode. Yeah, so uh, we are going to talk again about um, some of Agatha Christie's sleuths. Uh, So just to remind our listeners, in season one, we talked about Agatha Christie and her life and her um, contributions to the mystery space, Uh, but we are going to start exploring some of her characters. Yeah, and today we'll talk about Tommy and Tuppence, so I'll start us off with a little summary here. Tommy and Tuppence are two of Agatha Christie's lesser-known sleuths. She began writing these stories featuring Thomas Beresford and Prudence Tuppence Cowley early on in her career. The first book featuring the duo was The Secret Adversary. It was published in 1922 and was Christie's second published novel. Afterwards, books featuring them were sprinkled throughout her career. The Secret Adversary opens with Tommy and Tuppence bumping into one another shortly after World War I. Tommy has fought in the Great War and was wounded twice. We learn that Tuppence is one of several children of a conservative archdeacon who served in the Voluntary Aid Detachment during the war. But the two of them were well acquainted and friends as children. I think it's really interesting. Christy does not make either of these characters particularly physically attractive. And and that's kind of odd in fiction, right? Um, She says, Tuppence, quote, had no claim to beauty, but there was character and charm in the elfin lines of her little face with its determined chin and large, wide apart gray eyes, unquote. And Tommy's, quote, face was pleasantly ugly, nondescript, yet unmistakably the face of a gentleman and a sportsman, unquote. I really like this. The idea that they're just two ordinary people, and we come to admire and love them, not for their outward beauty, but for their spunk and courage and wit. And they come to admire one another for the same reasons, but we'll get to that in a bit. Since they're both out of work when they bump into each other, they decide to form a company called the Young Adventurers. At first, they consider engaging in illegal activity as a way to make money, but eventually decide that they'll offer to do adventurous errands for people. Their first such case is to find a missing, mysterious woman named Jane Finn, and it certainly proves to be an adventure. The book is what I would consider a mystery thriller or a caper rather than the puzzle mystery like Christie's first novel, The Mysterious Affair at Styles. It's a huge departure from that type of book. And in The Secret Adversary, the secondary plot line concerns uh, Tommy and Tuppence's romantic relationship. Over the course of the story, they both realize that they've fallen in love with one another, and by the end of the book, they are engaged. And then the books following, they're a married couple uh, working these cases together. There are five books featuring Tommy and Tuppence. As I said, The Secret Adversary is 1922. Partners in Crime is a short story collection from 1929. And this one features some more puzzle mystery type uh, cases. They're working as um, detectives in a detective agency. A 1941 novel is N or M. 
Then we have By the Pricking of My Thumbs in 1968. And the final Tommy and Tuppence is Postern of Fate from 1973. And at this point, the two sleuths are in their 70s and they're ready to settle down in a country home. But lucky for us, they find a coded message in an old book pointing to a possible murder. And so they take on the case and to investigate this cold case. Uh, unlike the better known Christie sleuths, such as Poirot and Miss Marple, Tommy and Tuppence, as you can see from the list of novels, aged in time with the real world. Uh, over the years, they're revealed to have raised three children together, and they also have a fun recurring character named Albert in the stories. He first appears as a lift boy who helps them in The Secret Adversary. And then in Partners in Crime, he becomes their um, kind of hapless assistant at this private detective agency that they're operating. And by Postern of Fate, he's their butler. The last Tommy and Tumpets book also happens to be the last book Agatha Christie ever wrote. It was released in 1973. I like to think about Dame Agatha in her 80s dictating that story. She'd grown old with Tommy and Tuppence, and here they all were, now in their golden years, investigating their last case together. So Sarah, how um, familiar have you been with Tommy and Tuppence over the years? Yeah, so I have to admit, not very familiar at all. And I have to say, I love that they kind of bookended her career, right? If they were the the second book that she published and the final book that she wrote. And I absolutely adore that she had them age alongside her. I think that's, that's so wonderful. I do too. I think that's very special and it makes me feel like these characters must've had a very special place in her heart to do that because they were the only ones who did, you know, Poirot basically stayed the same character, Miss Marple, even though she's elderly, she's always elderly. Right. Um, so I think that she must have really cared for these two. Brooke, your description of, um, Tommy and Tuppence's first novel, um, I can almost hear what I think would have been the enthusiasm generally in society at the time, right? It was 1922. They would have recovered from the Spanish flu epidemic. Uh, and, uh, you know, the First World War um, had been finished. And, you know, my impression of the early 1920s was that it was just this kind of joyful time uh, for people. And, and I can almost hear that in the way that you were describing that first novel. Yeah, I'm glad that came across because that definitely is how it reads. Um, and that's the beauty, I think, of her setting these uh, novels in real time. These characters in 1922 are in their mid-20s. I mean, you can practically hear the Charleston plan in the, you know, in the background. And they um, use a lot of the colloquialisms of like the young people in that era, the way that they talk. Um, it. The story has a caper comedic feel to it. And um, that's not to say that they don't get into dangerous situations. They definitely do. There's a lot of real danger. But it's such a departure from styles that, you know, in some ways it's hard. If someone didn't tell me that the same person wrote these two books, I would be 
hard pressed to believe it. But, um, you know, you're right on Sarah. It's very fun. It's lighthearted. It's, uh, it's a caper and, um, yeah, it's great fun. Do you know why there were only five books featuring them? I'm not sure. I don't, um, you know, I haven't really seen any real, uh, explanation of why she didn't write more. Um, I feel like they're, uh, opportunity for her to have been just as popular as her other slews that we know so much better. Um, so I'm not sure the answer to that, but they definitely had a much um, richer backstory, you know, like they, they were a married couple and they had children together and they had, um, you know, this recurring character of Albert, which I thought was just really cute. He came along with them in their life. Um, so I can't say for sure, but I, I kind of wish that we had more. It, it does sound like they, as you suggest, were really important to her, but, you know, maybe that's why we don't see as much of them. You know, you think about how kind of personal or sorry, how private she was. Um, maybe that's why we don't see as much of them because um, she just felt such a strong connection to them. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. And we know that um, from some of the things that she's written in her diaries that she could tire of Poirot. And he could be tiresome, right? <laughs> but um, I think that these novels must have been really great palate cleansers for her um, because her other sleuths that were very um, successful and definitely her commercial successes were um, – a little stiff, you know, kind of cerebral. And so these gave her a chance to write more of a caper story. There's, they're very lighthearted and fun. Um, and I wonder if when she needed that and, you know, she wanted that kind of that palate cleanser story that it was something that she could do. But I like that idea that, yeah, maybe she didn't want to give too much of these people away and, and grow tired of them because, they probably could have been just as much of a commercial success, but then you get on the hamster wheel of having to create them and that might've ruined it for her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've talked before about how she definitely grew tired of, of Poirot and yeah, maybe she just wanted to protect them a little bit. Mm -hmm. It was fun to see her write more about um, personal relationships. She does the witty banter between Tommy and Tuppence really well. And uh, Tuppence is just super spunky and just gives it right back to him. And their dialogue is is great. I feel like it was a good setup for a lot of the uh, romantic suspense duos that we see even now on screen, you know, Moonlighting, um, Miss Scarlet and the Duke. You know that they like each other, but they're trying not to admit it to them, even to themselves, that they kind of have this connection. So she does a great job with that, that chemistry. Oh, that's terrific. Um, and, and super interesting that you know, we can draw that line from things that we are more familiar with today to stuff that was written a hundred years ago. Yeah. And that it still appeals, you know, we love that just as humans, we love that. Um, some of those emotions that you go to go through in 
relationships, whether it's, you know, friendly relationships, platonic or romantic, that kind of friction and conflict that people have before they come together as as partners. I just I just really enjoyed it. I really like that it sounds like they had a really happy life, you know, that they they did get married, they had children, and then, you know, they've retired and have this final case together. I think that's such a nice arc. Um, and again, just thinking about her life and the, the direction that it took, um, you know, I, I think that's really nice. Yes. Doesn't it seem like she's writing like the perfect fairy tale? Like it all worked out perfectly for this couple. They got to do these exciting things together. There was, um, uh, clearly I've not read them all. I'm sure that there are some, there's some arguments and bickering, just knowing Tommy and Tuppence the little bit that I do. But for the most part, you know, there was no big strife and they, like you say, they just have this lovely arc. And I think she's writing like this perfect scenario. And I, I love the idea of them kind of setting up this agency to, what was it called? The Young Adventurers? Yes. Um, <laughs> to help people. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's really cool to, I can just imagine that sort of decision-making process. Yeah. And they have no idea the, the huge adventure that they're about to go on. And, you know, that's a really good point that these books are, um, by and large thrillers more so than like the puzzle mystery, as I mentioned at the beginning. And, um, I find it so fascinating that she went from, and we've talked about this before, the fact that that she could do it all, right? She could write short stories and novels, spy thrillers and puzzle mysteries. But she did this back-to-back at such an early part of her career. She uh, she released The Mysterious Affair at Styles, and then the very next book is this huge departure where these people go on this sweeping European uh mystery thriller, uh, much more of an adventure novel. And I was just really impressed by that, knowing how early she was in her writing career to be able to pull it off. We've talked before about how broad her output was, right? That, yeah, she had, um, as you say, the traditional puzzle mysteries, these thrillers, the um, more supernatural stories, um, like, and then she wrote romance under the Mary Westmacott name, right? Like she, she just did so much. And I think, um, as an author thinking about that, like, it's okay to write kind of what you want and, and explore different, um, different genres and, and, and different subgenres. We don't have to stay in one particular, uh, space for our entire careers. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think she demonstrates that really well. Brooke, were there any TV adaptations of uh, any of Tommy and Tuppence's stories? There have been many. There have been many especially named Partners in Crime, which is the short story collection. And um, although I didn't get an opportunity to watch any, from what I could see from my research they don't necessarily follow along with the plot lines of the published stories. 
it's sort of taking the characters and extrapolating and putting them. Now, I, I believe that there are some that are more um, in line with the stories or the novels, but there really have been a lot. And I think that that um, speaks to the fact of how great this character chemistry and the dialogue is between them because they're just and as you read the books you'll see what I mean that they're just people that you could imagine you could imagine this on screen especially as that kind of sweeping thriller where they're you know running from one location to the next and hiding out and it all works really well for a screen adaptation I think I seem to recall watching an episode of the most recent Miss Marple Mysteries. And I think they make an appearance uh, in one of the episodes. And I don't know if if there are any crossover original stories that feature Miss Marple and um, Tommy and Teppence, or if that was just some creative license that the um, creators of, of that version of, of Miss Marple Mysteries uh, took. I believe that it was just a creative choice because in that particular story, Tommy and Tuppence are the original sleuths. But in order to bring it to the screen, they made Miss Marple the sleuth and then had Tommy and Tuppence do a cameo, basically. But in the original story, Miss Marple doesn't appear and Tommy and Tuppence are the sleuths for that. Um, so interesting ways that that Christy verse that we've kind of talked about, she's done that herself in crossing over some characters. And then as the um, years have passed and evolved, then, you know, even some of the producers have expanded that further because I love the idea of all three of those people being in a show together. Yeah, I think you could do some really interesting things with that, right? To, to really explore how those very different characters could uh, exist in the same world. Absolutely. It would be very fun. Another feature of these stories are the way that Christy utilizes cliffhangers at the end of chapters. That's not really something that I have noticed in her other more um, more famous mysteries with the Poirot or Miss Marple as the sleuths. But um, I mean, it's the definite cliffhanger moment at the end of each chapter. And I found it interesting because yes, we're dealing with more of a thriller and how she used that device in that, you know, genre, subgenre, but but not so much in her puzzle mysteries. Um, I just I just think as an author, it was a, an interesting thing to note that she did that. It definitely served that purpose that she was utilizing because you just had to keep going and moving through the book to find out what happened next. Oh, that's really interesting. How much would I love to have a conversation with her and be able to ask her some questions about some of these things? Oh, absolutely. And the and the way that it seemed to be innate for her. Because again, I know I'm repeating myself, but this is back to back with styles. So she is doing something completely new and different. And it just feels like it was an intuitive knowing for her to how to build this in. So I'm always fascinated. Oh my goodness. Me too. Well, Sarah, this has been so much fun. Thanks for uh, chatting with me today about Tommy and Tuppence. I definitely want to read more of these, especially that last book, Posturn of Fate, when they're the elderly sleuths who happen upon their very last mystery. 
Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check out some of the Tommy and Tuppence novels and, uh, and short stories. And maybe we can regroup after we've done that. Sounds great. And if any of you decide to take up one of these novels, please get in touch and let us know what you think. And for today, thank you for joining us on Clued in Mystery. I'm Brooke. And I'm Sarah. And we both love mystery. Clued in Mystery is produced by Brooke Peterson and Sarah M. Stephen. Music is by Shane Ivers at silvermansound.com. Visit us online at cluedinmystery.com or social media at cluedinmystery. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, or telling your friends.